The Open Nesters podcast is a weekly podcast that explores new ways of living as our kids leave the nest. Now in season three, the podcast topics go deeper and wider in interviews with individuals, couples, and experts in areas ranging from relationships and families to adventure, spirituality, and sexuality. This week on the Open Nesters podcast with CJ Edlinwood. This couple met later in life, both open nesters, and are really expanding their horizons, as you'll hear in so many ways, and from two different continents. Let's hear it from CJ and Linwood. Okay, talk to us. Welcome to the Open Nesters podcast, CJ and Linwood, who I met with all kinds of wanderings through Tammy Nelson. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you. Hello. So I've been listening to you all since probably close to the beginning of your podcast. So you're the one that's listening to us. <laughs> I'm the no, one. No, exactly. One listen now. Who, who, who it is. <laughs> Thank okay, goodness so you kept it going for me. It's D listener. <laughs> so yes, um, I have been listening for a while and Although I wasn't quite there yet, and still technically not, um, my youngest son just graduated from high school. It piqued my interest because Linwood and I are on our second marriage here together. I just see all the possibilities for the rest of our lives together. We love our children and have a blast with them, but at the same time, it is something that we're really looking forward to just being together and exploring and, you know, just enjoying our lives together. It's been a long road for us. Yeah. So I'm obviously born and raised in Australia. After we met online, Carmen and myself started um, visiting with each other. So in Australia, they have very generous um, vacation time and I'd saved up quite a bit. So I got to travel over here quite a bit and Carmen was able to pop over and visit me in Australia and she fell madly in love with all parts of the country, mainly Tasmania. But mainly you, actually. Yes, true. Yes. And you have a boy or a girl? Um, yeah, I have a daughter and she's 28. 28. Okay, mm-hmm. truly in that open nester stage. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to retirement. Mm-hmm. As soon as I purchase my walker, <laughs> nothing like a good sit down when you go shopping. <laughs> so, what brought you together? What was the what was the what was the spark? To be perfectly open, we connected on our cakes. I couldn't find anyone over here that was meeting my needs, and we just started having a conversation online. And I thought, oh, God, you know, here's this person overseas. How is this going to work? And we ended up just getting really close and talking for a long time. We spent a lot of time on the phone. After five months, I went over to go visit. And just to make sure it was something that in person was as great as it was on the phone and online. And it was, and we just started this journey together. So that went on for seven years. And Linwood was caring for his aging mother at the time. 
and was still working and my kids were still at home and we just kept going. And then of course the pandemic and we were separated physically for 28 months and Linwood's mom passed away during the pandemic. And then we started our immigration process and here he is living in America and we're just starting our journey. My youngest son has decided he's going to take a gap year. So he'll be spending a lot of time with us um, over the next year. And that's fine too. There's been a really nice um, experience having him with us and seeing his bond with Linwood grow because they've known each other for several years. My kids had both traveled to Australia with me a couple of times where I'm quite close with my son. But at the same time, we are looking forward to the day when he does go off and does his own thing and we can do our own thing. Since you do the work, no shame with CJ, they, I hope that they they understand your openness to kink and to, to exploration. And I mean, not that you have to tell them the details, but they, they understand, except it's like there's a knowledge, there's an okayness. Well, I don't know if they accept it. <laughs> But they don't know necessarily about the kinky stuff. I'm not very like explicit with them about that. Um, it has been a process of planting seeds over the last several years. Right. Trying to respect where they're at and also not giving them all the information that they don't need. My oldest son is overseas and he's studying. So it's not as like in our face in terms of him. Yeah. But I have been open in the past about uh, being bisexual and also being in an open relationship. There weren't a lot of follow-up questions (laughs) at that time. And more recently, my youngest son was asking me about our relationship and if we're in an open relationship. And I reminded him that we had already had this conversation and he did not remember it. I just explained to him that, yes, you know, and he was asking me more questions about it and saying how he thought it made sense and you know, asking if we had started from the very beginning being open. And I said, yes. And he said, oh, yeah, I think that would be a good way to start a relationship. I'm just really appreciative that he's thinking about it for himself. You know, I've tried to share some resources and just being more open-minded about like what the possibilities are that we don't have to go with the, you know, standard monogamy and the whole relationship escalator situation where you start dating someone, then you're in a relationship. For me, it's like trying to inform them about understanding each other's definitions of a relationship or what monogamy is and really laying that groundwork when they do start to see somebody and just being really communicative. So it is funny. It's, you know, he's open to it, but at the same time, we're not in a situation where we identify as poly. We identify currently more as non-monogamous. So we don't have any 
partners who are part of our inner circle. I see. see. That makes sense that they don't have, it's not in their face to have to figure out right now. I want to ask a question going back to the Genesis, to the origin of, of you taking that leap of faith trip to Australia. That's a daring and that's a very bold and takes some guts and courage to do. I mean, I know you don't see it that way, but you know, after all, it's a blind date. Yeah. You know, uh, and the well, it's ballsy. It's ballsy. But is that uh, your nature to take risk, or was it just because of that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So you were a risk yeah. taker in the heart, and you were able to basically. Uh, apply that to this particular relationship and go the miles because you had this, a feeling that this is this is it. I don't know if it was it, and I don't know that I don't necessarily see it as risk taking. But I, there was a lot of negativity in terms, or like not negativity, but more protection coming from close friends who were like, uh-uh, "This doesn't mm-hmm. sound like a great idea." Initially. After five months, you know, you really see like, I knew him more than I've known anyone else I would sleep with, you know, like you go on a date, couple dates, and you end up sleeping with something like I knew him better than any previous partners. So I really did have that trust. And Mm -hmm. I looked at it like, look, if I get over there, and the spark isn't there. The chemical attraction isn't there. It's okay. It's still going to be a lovely vacation. We can hang out together. We can be friends. You know, it might be more difficult if one of us felt it and the other one didn't, but that didn't happen. So the things were in place. If I needed to be on my own, I was willing to do that. I felt like, heck, I'll go have fun, you know, traveling on my own. But I think that's the best way to frame dating and, and of any kind. But yes, Lynn, would we want to yeah. hear a little from you? Like, so get so I don't know if you guys are prepared to talk about the kink that connected you, and your your kids probably won't be listening anyway to this podcast. That's why we do this podcast so openly. So the idea of what you how you got to the point of meeting and connecting on that, Lynn, what if you want to just share that so we understand? Because people sometimes have shame, exactly what CJ teaches to in order to show who they are and connect deeply with what is meaningful to them. So we're, we are very curious and, and, and hopeful that you can help shed light. Um, well, uh, we're in a relationship, um, kink-wise, that's a, a DS. So I identify as a dominant and, would you believe it, um, it identifies as submissive. Um, probably, just, probably just to me. Because it's obvious when, you know, we go out and sure. and just the normal way she approaches life, she's a fairly sort of dominant sort of character. So I suppose in that space with Those me, she the gets switched off. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Um, so she gets to switch that off and, and I get to, because I'm a, a fairly gregarious, chatty, easygoing person. And then in that space where I can bring out that dominant side, that's a real delight for me because I can, you know, be that nasty bastard. And that right. makes the best song, right. in my opinion. A nice guy who can be not a nice guy. I'm a pushover. <laughs> oh, my God. So so Sorry. what so what side did you connect on and how did that evolve even as a, at a distance? 
Ooh. Let it rip. Yeah. What you get? <laughs> we met on FetLife. Ooh. Yep. Yeah. FetLife. We met on FetLife. So, yeah. One of the yeah. successful matches. It was. Amazing. I really, I wouldn't have expected it. But um, I think what worked for us was that for both of us, that was very important. I knew that I wanted to be in a DS as a submissive, and I knew it was going to take a particular type of person for me to be able to submit and to really enjoy it and feel safe and all of those things. Mm, And it was very difficult dating in that space and having that conversation, um, frankly, because the reactions like just ran the spectrum of like really inappropriate assumptions being made or just a lot of uncomfortable things. And I was feeling pretty negative about it. Like, I don't think this is really going to happen for me. And I had already been exploring non-monogamy with another partner in the past So I was starting to do that, but the main thing for me was the DS that I was looking for. And I think our relationship has been so successful largely because of that common interest and that match. And I think people can really take that sort of example as a way of sort of like a groundwork for dating. Like, what is your interest? What are you into? Do we met? Like, what is your desire level? Like, do you, how often do you want to have sex? How important is it to you? Do you like intimacy in a certain way? And having those conversations up front. And even as I said, how do you define monogamy? Or non-monogamy. Like, what is your definition? For some people, monogamy means the partner can't watch porn or maybe not even masturbate. I would never assume that. That seems crazy to me. But for some people, that's the expectation. So why can't we normalize having those conversations at the beginning? Well, it's so we end up hurting each other. Well, it's it's a process, and I really understand very well. It is so difficult to find a match without having to be in the DS dynamics. It's so hard, and not not that you add that dimension on top of it. It is much more difficult. It's becoming a lot. uh, The selection criteria have become a lot more. uh, You know, it's become thin picking uh, out there to find exactly oh, yeah. what you want. And I understand the fact that you went all the way to Australia to find that particular person that you can have that dynamic with. And once you have it, and it really fits and fulfill your needs, you really don't want to let it go. You want to hang on to it for as long as you can. You want to nurture that relationship. You want to build it. You want to make it stronger. You want to enhance it. You want to open up more. And I and I get it. I, I really understand and get it and uh as far as commentary and and trying to have a conversation up front 
It is not always easy. It is, it no. is difficult to talk. Well, at, first, you have uh, to have defined, and that's what I wanted to go yeah. back a step, is is were, I, were either of you in those DS roles in your former partnerships, and when did you discover them? Because you're helping people kind of come out to first know what they want. So let's find out from you how you uncovered that. Oh, um, for me, it goes right back to my childhood in a weird sort of way because I um, there was a, a young lady next door who was a year older than me and I was like five or six at the time and we were busy playing doctors and nurses underneath the house. And where I'm from, it's fairly hot, so all the houses are on wooden stumps. So for whatever reason, I was tying my nurse to a post And I think it it came from a lot of Hollywood um, B-grade type films where the the damsel in distress gets tied to the railway lines and then the The cartoon. cartoon. Yeah, Yeah, well, cartoon and also those older movies. And as a young young, um, boy, I was, you know, I used to love those Saturday afternoon movies that we'd get mainly from, obviously, the United States, and they'd have, you know, some dastardly character tying some terrible sort of ravished lady to the trail, you know, railway line, and um, she was, like, screaming. And and then it was just this, it was like, wow, that's really cool. So, <laughs> but I never really got or had an understanding, obviously, um, in our collection of... of um, uh, encyclopedia there was no mention about kink i couldn't look that up so um didn't have did access you have to it with that. your first marriage did you have did you have a no no you not hadn't let that you hadn't let your you hadn't let it rip yet you hadn't really no, discovered it so no, much later it was, so when did you rediscover still... as an adult when did you reopen that um i just started um exploring that on the internet of course as one does um and educating myself and coming to terms with, okay, is this me? Is that me? And reading as much as I possibly could, and hence while I was on pet life. Um, so, yeah, it was interesting. It was an interesting um, process of uncovering the elements of me that remained hidden for, you know, almost 50 or more years you know, I like to talk so, about because the younger generation they talk about. And I have an interview with a young adult about unmasking. Like he he defines yeah. the fact that if we're they're all doing it with identity so much more with the ones that have that ability. And then our generation has a lot of work to do. So CJ, you're helping them. How did you discover your your kink and when? Hmm. My journey started much later, although I think I was always, um, it goes back to what Amir was asking about in terms of being a risk taker. Mm-hmm. Um, I've moved around the country quite a bit as a younger person. I was always exploring, trying to figure out what, you know, was what my life was going to look like. And um after my first marriage ended, which was about 12 years ago, um, the first couple of dates that I had sort of made me realize, oh, there's like maybe some other stuff going on here. And then I did end up in a relationship for a couple of years. 
So I had a two-year relationship with somebody. And in the beginning of it, he shared some very um, personal sort of kink with me. And I was the first person he had ever shared that with. And rather than getting into the space of, oh, that's terrible. I'm not really interested in that. It was more like, tell me more. And I think that's just sort of my approach to a lot of things. And it really opened up our sexuality for a while. And then we started exploring a lot of things. And I started having these inklings of wanting to be um, sort of under his control or under someone's control. And because being a single mom and running the household and all those things just gets to be a little bit tiresome. And the last thing I want to do is have to plan the dates and the experiences and initiate sex and all of that. So I began asking him for a little bit of that. And we also started exploring in within the sex positive community here in Los Angeles. And um, our relationship ended for um, for various reasons, but primarily because he wasn't being fully honest. And but it, after that, I realized I want more of the DS. Even though I really didn't feel like we had achieved it's that, your appetite. It, oh yeah, it it definitely whetted my appetite. I was like, okay, I want some more of this, and I did try to go out into the you know BDSM scene, and I got my education. I went to classes and stuff, but still wasn't feeling totally comfortable with it out in dungeon spaces and things like that. I didn't really have a strong uh, connection to that community. And having had a couple of bad experiences as a submissive made me very cautious. And for me, it was more of a lifestyle than like a scene in a dungeon. Um, so I was really looking for that in the bedroom more than anything else. And now that's what we have. So yay. do, do you think that uh, I mean, that was 12 years ago, you're saying. Is mm -hmm. it your kids were at what age at that time? Well, that's when I um, separated from my first husband. And you had custody of your kids, well, I would assume? My kids, when I started exploring, were well, they were under 10. Under they 10. Were under 10. So now mm -hmm. that they are as adults and you're almost uh, an open nester, do you think that there is more opening for you to explore even more? To, uh, yeah. to tell, tell me about that opening once the kids have, what makes you really? Uh, What's ex what excites you the most? <laughs> and, right. Well. Now that they are adults. Me, yeah. For, uh, there's so many things. Yeah. In terms of our relationship, we have only scratched the surface on our DS. That's how I look at it. Mm -hmm. And Linwood is very um, patient and encouraging 
and supportive of our relationship, our family life, and our kink. And it feels really good that um, I know that he's willing to wait until everyone's out of the house and that sort of thing. And like, we're really just the two of us. And And when is that going to happen? It'll be at least a year. At least a year. we We have moments on our own. You know, we have my ex-husband is still in the picture, but it's like, you know, we have those moments, but I mean, fully when they're launched, I think that's when it truly begins. That's how I look and you're, at it. But you're both dating other people, right? You figured out schedules. I mean, can you tell us a little bit about that, how that goes and works in your lives? Um, it's one of those things where, you know, it for an older man like myself, it's probably a little bit more difficult to find someone that you can connect with. Um, so I can't readily speak about being super popular or anything, but there is one or two um, ladies that I'm talking to at the moment. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's, it's when you're trying to, you know, work and, and run a household and so forth, there isn't a great deal of time, but we do allow for that. So mm-hmm. it's just one of those things where we try to, you know, go on. The, I, I'm arranging a date this weekend, so I'll mm-hmm. be out on a date. Mm-hmm. Um, and I recently, about a week and a half ago, went on a, on a date as well to meet another lady, and she was lovely, and we're sort of further connecting. But there's no rush, no hurry, and, and of course... Sure. Um, part of those dates are the fact that I'm um, playing, well, not playing, but being a a dominant, it's very slow process to win over someone's trust and, and, you know, and patience about whether or not that's something that they want to explore with me. So. Because that's really key to your sexuality. Yeah. Yeah. I, so you guys don't I, have any vanilla sex. There's no like, or do you ever have yet. moments of like lovemaking without D, without DM, DS? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 We mix I mean, it up. Yeah. I. Hmm. That's an interesting question because I think it goes back to defining what that means to you. There are moments of utter tenderness that occur within the DS space. So I, it's not all about, you know, impact and dressing up and serving and all of those things. There, there are some real beautiful, tender, lovely moments in that experience, Mm -hmm. but the key for Linwood in particular, and me as well, is for us to really sink into that space. It's not always possible, but when it does occur, that's really when um, it's really meaningful for us. I am able to have more vanilla type experiences with people. In fact, I don't really look for um, anyone 
necessarily dominating me outside of our relationship because he ticks all those boxes for me. Um, we do, I haven't had the chance lately to date. I feel like there's just too much on my plate as it is. I'm not really that interested. Although I'm starting to feel a little bit like, yeah, I might dip my toe back in there. Um, but we do have time to attend events together, sexy events. And we have really close friends that are very sex positive. We have intimate parties. And so I feel like I have those outlets mm, for fulfilled. Feeling, yeah. Mm, getting sexy, so. feeling, you know, getting attention in different ways and sex may or may not occur, but it's just being around other people who are very free and open feels really good. So that so, fills me up. So what kids out of the house would mean to your relationship? What what would you do? What would be one of the first things that you would do once they're out of the house? Now it's all yours. They're not coming back for several weeks. You can uh, walk uh, naked in the morning without having to worry about things, have sex in the kitchen, whatever it is that you need to do. What what would the first thing that you're thinking about doing or that uh, comes to mind? Yay, they're out of the house. <laughs> there's a what? Yay, they're out of the house. So it's like a little bit of a like, let's have a drink. Yay. <laughs> Woo. Celebrate. But it's like, oh, I don't know. It, it depends on, you know. And do you want to create your own dungeon in your own house? I'm not a great fan of that very stereotypical dungeon type concept. I think you can make a dungeon wherever you want to make one, not in terms of like the way it looks, you know, black walls and black leather and whatever else. It's more about, for me, it's a mindset. So I'd rather turn the inside of a car kinky or, you know, it's a momentary thing. It's not, it's not the actual environment turned into a kink it's psychological in a lot of cases and for you i mean there's like you know sex what's the uh there's a whole there's a whole thing about creating sex dungeons a woman that redesigns them i forgot what it's called online a reality show because there are some people who love the execution of the idea it's all personal how we all want to do and play and see and be how we want to interact with that the the s dynamics so i would like cj to give us a little like a, two more minutes on your work. Um, I'm, I know that you've also done some sex phone work. I'd love you to talk just not not for, a, we're just going to kind of wind down here, but a place that why you invite people in and then how they can reach you in what you do. Thank you. Yeah, so um, I'm a sex coach and I really am working with people who, have experienced or are currently experiencing shame around their sexuality. Um, In particular, it's coming out of my work as a phone sex operator, where I feel like I've gotten some real insight into what makes some people tick, in particular men, and just the amount of men who want to be in service to women who want the same sort of experience that I want as a submissive, they want to have those experiences. 
And I feel like there's probably a lot of people living sort of a shadow life that they don't feel great about because they can't share it with their partner or with other people. So they do things that maybe they don't feel great about. You know, they might be doing the phone sex, which is, there's nothing negative about that, but it's just might not be as fulfilling. They might go see sex workers. They might cheat. They're living sort of a, a secret life because they don't feel comfortable in sharing what they're really into because it maybe has changed throughout their relationship or, you know, in getting older and perhaps they're thinking, oh, wow, like, I'm aging. I, I may not have this in my life much longer. I may not live much longer. You know, things are changing. I'm becoming an open nester. How do I explore? And I want to be there in particular for those people to help them determine how badly they might want something and how it's going to look for them in terms of how they're going to have this conversation with their partner, if they're going to have that conversation and what their ultimate goal is. And of course, everyone's going to have a different, you know, answer to that. But I want to work with people who are exploring that and want to figure that out. And they're committed to that transformation in whatever way that it looks like. What a beautiful vision. Thank you for sharing it. So we can reach you. They can reach you at noshamewithcj.com, right? That's the best. That's no shame with CJ. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so what much. What could you tell uh, the open nesters that are listening to this podcast? Uh, which advice you can give them, uh, whether it's regarding kink or regarding what to do when your kids have le left the house? Uh, what would you tell them if you had the platform to do so? And this is it. This is the platform. What would you advise? Something that you think is valuable? I think the most valuable thing is to think about exactly what you want out of the remainder of your life. And obviously, then calculate what, who that will affect. Um, if someone was to find out and explore further what the best option is for you, because obviously a lot of people, particularly men, like, you know, patriarchy teaches us that we're the leader of the household or, you know, the dominant person or whatever. And a lot of the time um, that's not necessarily correct for a lot of men, particularly as they age and they realise They've missed out on something. They've, they've played a part and a role which patriarch, religion, society is, you know, has cast for them. And I think sometimes that point in your life where you become an open nester, as it were, that you then to start rethinking and reevaluating what you really want out of life. So it's important for people just to be open and honest. And if they're in a relationship or they're wanting to form a relationship or they're wanting to be open with their, their mature-aged children um, who are now adults, it's, it's an important aspect about how you approach that. Because like I said, you might think, oh, this is great. 
this is a new part of me that I haven't really had a chance to explore, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the rest of your family and friends are going to be willing to even accept what you're wanting out of the rest of your life. So it is a really difficult one. And my advice would be to, yeah, to evaluate it and and come to terms with what you can and can't live with. Well, baby steps towards something, you know, becoming who we're meant to be. So thank you for that. And just to add on to that and bring people along on the journey to the degree that is necessary. But let's say that you have something that you want to share with your partner. And this could be about non-monogamy. This could be about having experiences with others, right? You maybe have been thinking about this for several years. Mm. You maybe have been reading the books or exploring in other ways, and your partner may not know any of this. So bringing them along on the journey and taking like Mm. sort of looking at it from their perspective, don't just lay it all out, you know, be willing to take it slowly and introduce in certain ways and sort of, like I said, planting seeds, but also have your boundaries and your boundaries around being shamed because when someone has a negative reaction about something that you have brought up, it can you can internalize that and carry that for a very long time. Mm-hmm. So I think we all need to be prepared to have tough conversations, but also bring up the fact that we're not willing to be shamed in what we're about to share. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important because I realize in doing this work, there's stuff I'm still carrying with me from decades ago. And I thought I was fine, you know, but then it's like, oh, wait a minute. There is like, there's some residual hurt there. Yeah. Okay. So that's, that's, there are many, there are many practices we talk about in the open Nestor podcast about ways to uncover, awaken and become more mindful Mm -hmm. and embodied. And so pleasure, we're all, we all want to be more pleasure activists, but we have to understand yeah. where we are. And so that's what both of you are saying, like that awareness. Thank you so, so much for this beautiful time. We appreciate your uh, honesty, your courage. Uh, you are definitely an exemplary of uh, somebody that takes risk. And, you know, it's, uh, it's just uh, impressive and uh, inspiring to see. And hear about mm-hmm. so I yeah. wish for you continuous continued adventure, continue to explore, and as you enter a full open nesting stage of your life, just let it rip mm-hmm. and let it let it all come in. Let their lives and, just and open. stand out there like a vessel and let it all continue come to into open. You. Yes, and we enjoyed our conversation, uh, and uh, well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Good night, guys. So nice to meet you. Thank you.
Tessa, we interviewed many couples in our podcast which were courageous and bold. This one is really taking it to another extreme. I mean, the fact that she f- followed her heart and uh, started talking on FetLife with somebody in a different continent on the other side of the world, and then after five months of communication, actually packed her bag and went to see him in Australia. I mean, don't you think that this is courageous, totally. odd, and bold? Totally. It's a different kind of bravery. And I love how CJ exhibits that bravery. And I see it even in her being the no shame idea. It's like, you know, sometimes we go towards an idea when we say, I am just becoming who I am and I'm just going to go for what is in my gut to go for it and, and, and we'll do it without shame. And that is a beautiful testimony to the stage of life that we look at as open nesters. Yeah. And, and they were both open nesters. And I can tell you from my experience that a DNS um, dynamics are very difficult to find. It's very fine. Well, it's, it's easy to find, but it's, uh, it's hard to maintain and uh, fine-tune, I, sh- I should say. So when you get to a point where you find somebody that you can have this dynamics with, DNS, that is uh, something to uh, cherish and preserve and protect. And I think that that's what they have. And uh, the bottom line is uh, that uh, Linwood decided to move from the uh, state down under to California. And here he is. And both of them are together of really living the dream of their lives, having the dynamic that they want, the kink that they want, the sexual desires and fantasies that they're living by, and having a great relationship, connecting their two families together. And that communicating, is a, uh, communicating yeah. in a way that Absolutely. will continue, I, I expect, will continue to change because they haven't been living together that long. And yet, I love how Linwood, you know, went out and said, I am dating other de- um, other women that are submissive because that's what he's looking for. And, and they're very clear about what they're both looking for. It doesn't mean that you're not going to have to rework agreements, have different breakdowns, go through whatever you go through. But when you do it with that kind of honesty, and that's the idea, is that a lot of our episodes discuss polyamory. We have, you know, so many different experts that we've had on about polysecure and poly role models to start looking at, and, and they don't even talk about the love component. So we have a couple of kink episodes, you know, looking at it from this expansion place that is needs to continuously be, as you said, refined and fine-tuned. And and, and the honesty has to start. It's at the beginning. It's the genesis of everything. I mean, uh, CJ came to kink late in life, while Linwood is really, it's been since he was five, six years old with his experiences. So CJ came to it later on. Her curiosity and her appetite for uh, adventure really brought her to where she is, and therefore they are uh, a match made in heaven, to, to, to so to speak, uh, you know, on Fed Life. Well, I'm wishing you guys both so well, and well, anyone out there that wants it, to just take a risk yeah. to try to go for their fullest expression yeah, is uh, what we hope. Or you can take the alternative, you're an open nester, and you have those hidden desires and hidden dreams, and they will just... Uh, uh, you know, disappear them, I and you will bury them inside you, and nobody will ever know. Till you take charge of yourself, be honest with yourself. What do I want? What do I like? And go chase it. And this is uh, what it's about in the open nesting stage. Absolutely. And um, I think that anybody that is really interested in that can find a lot of uh, episode on Polly and Kink, uh, Tessa. No. 
ethical non-monogamy, swinging. I mean, we, we really get into a lot of the alternative right. lifestyles and, and, and we're hearing more as, you know, that people at all ages, because maybe whether it was the pandemic or, or, the, or the, the actual uncertainty in life that they're wanting to actualize their dreams more and maybe not stay in a traditional monogamous marriage. So there's so many possibilities when you start opening them, but they require a lot of finesse and conscious communication Absolutely. and honesty communication, and discomfort. Honesty and, and discomfort. Exactly. So, so, so I just... So, yeah. so visit our website, theopennesters.com, double N in the middle, S at the end, Dot com and go ahead and look for those other episodes on these particular subjects. We would love to hear from you. Love to know if there's anybody else that you think that should be on our podcast and uh, leave us a comment or so. Or and I'd love on your on our Facebook page. We are a closed group. We actually are starting discussions around this idea of where are these open relationships off? What are they off- offering to us? in the open Esther stage. So we really welcome you to join this community and make it more Please. robust in the discussion there. CJ sent us a video actually on Facebook just to, just today, and thank you, CJ. And get your community involved in knowing that we are all on our own journeys and of no shame and going out in the world with our full selves. And thank you for making us such a popular and relevant podcast. Until next time, this is Amir. And this is Tessa. And we will see you on the next episode. Ciao. You have been listening to the Open Nesters Podcast, a production of Kiwi Publishing and Media. Executive Producer, Tessa Crone. Music by Yoni Avi Patat. Audio Engineering by Lucid Sound. Web Design and Blogs. PJ Ewing. This podcast is available on all podcast platforms. To learn more about each episode and guest, please visit us at theopennesters.com. For questions or to be a guest on our podcast, email tessa at theopennesters.com.